Action Network podcast. Are you going to place a bet or what? What's going on, everybody? I am Dane Martinez, and welcome back here to the Action Network series, The Expert's Guide to Betting. And today, we're talking props, 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 because everybody loves betting props and who better to talk about this with than my two guys sean Kerner, the director of all the projections and analytics here at the action network and of course chris raybon focus here on the nfl how you guys doing today feeling good dane excited to talk some props all right that's what's up that's what's up so here's the first question i have for you and don't take it the wrong way but chris i mean honestly what is it that makes you an expert when it comes to props? Because uh, I spend 40 hours a week or probably more like 60 kind of diving into to, to NFL stats and all, all sports stats and models. And uh, I'm doing this even in the offseason while everyone else is just doing a regular job. So that's kind of what I have to offer just that putting the time in. No, for sure. And Sean, what about you? I mean, I see your modeling, your projections, your rankings. How does that equip you for being an amazing prop better? Uh, well, to be good at prop betting, you have to have good projections. So similar to Ray Bond, you know, I'm spending dozens of hours a week projecting, um, analyzing, looking at past performance, things like that. So I'm, I'm always going to be finding an edge. Uh, I might not win all the time, but in the long run, I'm definitely going to come out on top. All right, fair enough. And I mean, I guess we're just trying to hit about, what, 54, 55% of the time, to be yeah. honest. But let's get into it. I mean, for someone who is maybe new to betting props, right, like, can an inexperienced better become sharp at props or are you just finding the right people, let's say in the Action Network app to tell? Like how can someone who is green at this become better, Chris? So the, the first answer to your question is yes, an inexperienced better can uh, become good at betting props because unlike spreads and totals, a prop allows you to focus in a lot more on an individual player or aspect of the game that you're betting. So if you're betting a spread or a total, you're, it, it's a lot more about the interplay between the entire right. teams and lineups um, and, what's gonna, and what you think is going to happen. And that's a lot easier for some people. It's a lot more macro. But when you're talking about a prop, let's say you're just uh, you know, uh, a New York Giants fan and every week you're just only betting on Daniel Jones rushing yards or something like that. And you have a really good idea of when they're going to unleash him, when he's going to kind of stay in the pocket. So you can really kind of focus in on a particular player. Could even be the same player every week. Um, and, and you can start out that way. And it's usually a, only a matter of identifying like one trend that a book maybe has not um, kind of corrected yet in their personal model. And th the biggest reason why I think, is possible, Dane, is because books, and, and I'm sure Sean could, could speak to this as well, but sports books, they are spending less time creating right. player props. So right. for spreads and totals, the markets for these are massive. I'm talking sometimes you'll get million dollar plus handles uh, on spreads and totals for, for NFL games, especially. And so the market is going to make those lines very sharp. And the books are going to spend a lot more time modeling, adjusting their models, and just projecting those numbers for the spread and the total. For player props, it's a lot more, um, you know, here's, we're going to take a, like the season average and we're going to put it out and we're going to let the market decide and we're going to put some limits on that. So you're not taking in quite as much of a handle as a sports book. So now you're an experience as a better in terms of player props. 
it's good. It's going to kind of be equaled by the fact that the book isn't spending a ton of time on props compared to a lot of their other bets that they're offering. So uh, that's the big reason why I think, yes, uh, even if you're experienced, you can get an edge betting player props. And Sean, what about you? I mean, I like a lot of what Chris said, you know, kind of by like isolating, say, the matchup or strengths or weaknesses of certain teams that you can attack. What do you think? How can people become better at betting mm-hmm. props? Yeah, so I think Chris did a great job of just summing up that props. Um, there's more skill involved because you're having to factor in less variables. It's one player or one stat, so you, you don't have to factor in everything going on. Right. Um, and like he mentioned, the lines are a bit softer. Um, but I will say, you know, when it comes to tailing experts, it's a bit tricky because of that. Because if I were to tweet out that I like the under on a receiving prop, sometimes the market can move like five to six yards immediately. Yeah. So I would be careful tailing experts because because the lines are softer, they move faster. But I would, you know, follow an expert's process. You know, for every prop that I put in the app, I have a detailed explanation how I arrive at that. So if you can kind of absorb and learn just how the process, how an expert processes things and, you know, what they use to come up with the play in the long run, that's going to help you out um, when it comes to tailing an expert. No, you know, I think it's interesting that you guys also both reference the fact that maybe there is less bandwidth for the actual books to hang these numbers than, you know, say a sharp NFL line or total. You know, it's almost like Ivy League women's college basketball. You can find something softer because, you know, the books aren't paying as much attention to it either. So maybe props definitely are a place to go. Chris, let me ask you, I mean, when you get, to regularly betting on props? Like what's kind of one pillar or rule of thumb or cornerstone that you really have to think about regardless of sport when it comes to props? So mine far and away, far and away for me is implied probability and range of outcomes. You have Mm. to understand when you're betting a prop and, and Dane, you mentioned this earlier, you said, you know, we're looking to try to hit, you know, 54, 55%. And so you have to understand what that means as far as juice. So for example, 54% would be about minus 117 juice. So you have to look and say, okay, if this prop is being offered at minus 117, um, now I need the outcome that I'm betting on, whatever it might be, you know, an over on receiving yardage and and under on touchdowns, whatever it might be. I need that to happen at least 55% of the time just to break even and prop juice is going to be all over the map. Usually when you're betting a game, you're going to get minus 110, which is, uh, you know, about 52 and a half percent. And then you're just trying to, you know, beat that. You need out that outcome to happen a little over 50% of the time, 53 plus to win that bet. But with props, you could have a prop that's minus 200. Uh, right. Now you have to know what that means. Minus 200 uh, is about 67% probability. And that's where I find a lot of the edge betting props is that you might post something like, you know, um, a, a running back to score a touchdown at minus 200. That means 67% of the time he scores a touchdown, but you might say, Hey, this guy has scored a touchdown in like nine to 10 games. Uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's closer to 80 or 90%. So there's a big edge there, even though that minus 200 juice didn't look sexy. So you really have to understand what the juice means in terms of implied probability. And then you have to understand how that relates to what you're actually betting and what you think 
the probability of that outcome is. And you don't have to be exact. That There's no way to perfectly model right. that. But, you know, when you are modeling it, you can start with, you know, looking at just what happened in the past. You can look at, you know, what people, what Sean or I are projecting as his median projection or whatever. But you just have to have an understanding of what that juice means probability-wise and how that relates to the outcome that you're betting on in the prop. No, that's fair enough. And I understand the process, Chris, but don't ever again try to tell me that a minus 200 bet is sexy. But okay, we'll keep it moving. No, I said it wasn't sexy. I said it wasn't sexy. I know. I said it could be profitable. It could be profitable. That's the point. And at the end of the day, the shmoney is sexy. This is true. Profit, I like. I'll inch it up the hill, but I just don't find it attractive. I'll do it every now and then. This is not what I'm <laughs> jumping to do. Sean, what about you? When Sounds we're like talking about props, what are some of the kind of pillars that you really need well, to think about? Uh, first, I want to thank Raybon for allowing me this opportunity to say, bet the under. Get comfortable rooting yes, for the under. Because the public will <laughs> bet the over on everybody. So who... <laughs> Yeah, so I would much rather root for Jamar Chase to clear 82 and a half receiving yards. I'm not going to lie. However, so is everybody else. Uh, and books know that. That's, you know, they don't take as much action on props, but they do take a significant or more action on the over. So it presents us, you know, with value on the under most of the time. Every prop is different. But there's also another aspect in play here that's more mathematically uh, reasoning behind it is, um, you know, if a player averages 64 and a half receiving yards on the year, his median is actually much lower uh, for re- receiving yards specifically. It could be seven to eight yards. Typically, uh, their median is about seven to eight yards lower than their season average receiving yards. So, you know, you have math on your side, just the, the way the distribution works. Uh, the under is a little bit more favorable. So, you, you know, you're betting against the public and math is on your side. So that's why, in general, you kind of want to root for the unders. No, fair enough. You know, when I think of prop bets, I'm a big Wire fan, okay, back in the day. And there was oh. a character named Proposition Joe. Proposition, then. I just step out the way. You never hear from me again. I just disappear. I got a proposition for you. And that's actually what a prop is. Like you were saying, Chris, with the sides and the totals, it's kind of all encompassing. You have to think about the entire game. Whereas with a prop, you only have to think about one aspect or one matchup potentially. So what for you is different in betting props versus betting straight sides or totals? Well, I think the, the uniquely challenging thing, especially for somebody that's a little bit newer to this is that it's like, because, you know, there are so many props, I think you have to be yeah. able to have a process to kind of whittle down mm-hmm. and decide what mm-hmm. kind of props you're going to even bet on. Because here's the thing, you might have success betting like a single prop one day and you're like, oh, this isn't too hard, you know, getting away from spreads and totals. Let me bet two the next day and four the next day because there are just so many possibilities, but then you're going to end up losing your edge. So you always want to have a process kind of like what Sean alluded to of finding your edge of figuring out, you know, where is the best edge for me in this particular game? I don't like to have more than one or two, maybe three props going in a specific in, in one particular game because then I start to run into correlations where, you know, if I have one guy's passing yards over, but another team's rushing yard, uh, mm. players rushing yards under on the other team, that's kind of going against the correlations uh, a little bit or something like that. So I don't want to necessarily bet that. So it's really having a process to, to pick what you're looking to do. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, a way, a real good way to, 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 to look at is, 
you there's certain stats that I look that I that I look for more than others. So when I'm betting the NFL, I'm always looking for edges and receiving yardage first. And like Sean said, I'm almost always looking for unders. So unders and receiving yards, those to me are are usually going to be the most profitable bet. It, more so than like receptions because a guy could get six receptions and be having a bad game and, and have like, you know, 40 yards, but um he still cleared his reception over instead of the under. So I like looking for unders and receiving yards. And one other thing I'll, I'll, I'll mention here is that matchups, you know, it's challenging because a good matchup doesn't necessarily mean an over. And this is another reason why we like under so much. It's like you could have a wide receiver, a stud wide receiver, like let's say Tyreek Hill. And he had, you, you look at the matchup and the opposing defense, you say, oh, wow, Tyreek Hill just has a great matchup in this spot. But because of that, the other defense could be thinking the same thing. And now right. they're double and triple teaming. They're going to roll the safety over. Right. And they're saying anyone else but Tyreek Hill. Anyone else. Because the matchup is too good on paper. So they're saying anyone else beat us. So then you're talking about, you know, the second, third, or fourth receiver who maybe has a, a doesn't have a good matchup, but he's getting a ton of one-on-one coverage against that superior cornerback. And so he could clear his receiving yardage prop in, let's say, one catch. So that's something that I think is uniquely challenging about the NFL and that you really have to kind of think about and, and, and look at the range of outcomes and say, okay, if the defense covers him like this, this is the chance he goes over his prop. If they don't, this is what could happen. And you just want to make sure and kind of gut check and vet your bets to make sure that it could cash in a variety of game script situations this is the way I'll put it. No, absolutely. You know, I think that too. And I, I spend a lot of time back in, say, the wide receiver two or three on a team. Alexander Madison has gotten me paid time after time after time, right? Tony Pollard gets me paid time after time after time. Some of these running quarterbacks, they'll still have their rushing props be like 13 and a half yards. You mentioned Daniel Jones earlier before, but in general, you mentioned it, Chris. It's like a cheesecake factory menu trying to sift through all of the day. <laughs> <laughs> props, right? So Sean, tell me, how do you sift through the props unlike, say, the sides and the totals? Um, well, we do have this tool on Action Labs that actually compares our projections to every single player prop being offered, and it conveniently shows you which ones uh, we, we show the most value on. So we make it very easy to do that. Okay, let me ask you something else about this, because I've always wondered... Could you translate all of your kind of research and analysis and thoughts from the DFS world into props? And if so, how, right? Like, is it just kind of the same data? You're just, you know, making it tell a different story. I know you're very versed in this, Sean. So Mm -hmm. like, what about people who are really in that DFS world? Could they be really effective at betting props? Oh, absolutely. Because like Chris mentioned, it's all about matchups, you know, how a player's going to perform. And it's kind of funny because I see a lot of DFS people sort of referencing props like they're the Holy Grail. Uh, but in reality, those are things they could beat as well. So instead of referencing them as something I use for DFS, if you're already doing projections and you're playing DFS, you should also take a stab at player props because they're very beatable. So if you're already grinding through the matchups, you know, thinking about just like roster ship percentages, where the public's going to be you're already ahead of the game when it comes to player props. So you should be betting on those as well. All right, fair enough. Um, Let me ask you this. You know, we're in a time of year right now where there are no games, at least in the NFL, on a week-to-week basis, right? And we have the offseason in a lot of sports. When you're in that time, what do you do to try to potentially prepare um, for some of the props you may bet down the road once we get back in season, Chris? 
So I think a good thing to do is just start to understand baseline values. So, um, you know, when I make projections, when Sean makes projections, what we're really doing is we're starting with some sort of baseline for each team and player uh, against just what they would do against the league average opponent. And then we're kind of adjusting that for the individual matchup each week uh, during the season. So, um, you know, just kind of understanding, okay, what is, you know, what is Tyreek Hill expected to average per game receiving? You know, you can look at our projections, which we, we put out, you can just take like for a lot of players, you have season long props. You can just divide those by 17 and get a per game average. So just kind of understanding the different baselines. I also just love to kind of go back into players game logs in the off season and, and, and look at them and get really familiar um, and then another thing I think is really helpful uh, for people that are getting ready to, to bet a lot of props is, you know, offensive lines, you know, mm. have an idea of each team's offensive line strengths and weaknesses, um, defenses, schemes. Um, do they play zone? Do they play man? Do they have good uh, a cornerback that can shut down a specific, you know, receiver or you know, like the number one, or does he shut down a specific side of the field? Things like that. Coaching philosophies. Do does a certain team come out throwing against you know better offenses, but then you know kind of goes into a shell against teams they think they can beat, like the Seahawks used to do. So um, I, I think it's kind of helpful to have these things and have some prior knowledge of those things because what's going to happen is once once week one starts you have some kind of background so to where you're not overreacting early in the season. Cause I see even a lot of sharp professional mm. betters, they struggle to bet before like week five or so because they haven't been able to get enough new data in their model. Right. And so I, and so I think what you, you have to do at that point in the season, you're still using, you know, your kind of some of your, your season long projections and your priors that take into account last year's data, but also just understanding some of the things that can't be measured quite as well, like offensive lines and coaching and, and, and defensive strengths and schemes and things that's going to give you a big leg up early in the season, because guess what? The books aren't really putting that, that information into play either. Again, they're just kind of going off some basic, you know, season long number that then they're dividing to get a per game average and they're letting the market kind of take it from there. So uh, if you can get in early on those, but because you have some of the background knowledge and you kind of just have a feel for what, what looks right early in the season, um, you're going to have a big edge, even over some of the better betters in the industry. What about you, Sean? I mean, you know, I think about things like player movement. I think about things like coaching movement, but I also think about the evolution of the game. We're talking a lot about football that's evolving into a more heavy passing league. And I wonder how that will be represented in say wide receiver props, but you can see the same thing in the NBA as we've changed the geometry and math of the NBA. We see teams pulling their goalie far earlier in the NHL. We see the evolution to the three true outcomes in baseball and the impact potential on strikeout props or home run props in Major League Baseball. What do you do in the offseason to kind of keep up and get ahead of what's going on in the prop world? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I, Chris can definitely speak to that. He, he has a really good uh, chart that he looks at on Pro Football Reference that shows league-wide trends, Right, and you can kind of spot those. So, yeah, we, we're definitely factoring those in. But uh, I, I agree with Raybon completely. Just going into the season, it's all about setting up these priors uh, that we update in season. So if you get ahead of the curve in week one, again, piggybacking Raybon when it comes to the offensive line, the Bengals have the most improved offensive line heading into the season. So I'll be looking at potentially Joe Mixon to go over his rushing prop week one. You know, I'll look for angles like that. Um, scheme changes. The Vikings are going to be more of a Ram based 
pass or heavy. Or so they say. It, yeah, well, I, I'm just saying, <laughs> not that all this has to be true, but you have to have an inkling in your head um, that they're going to be trying this out. So going into week one, it's all about setting up your priors and then adjusting accordingly once we get that data. And I agree that usually people are too quick to adjust just based on one week of data. So it's about, you know, it's about finding that balance on how much you want to stick with your priors throughout the season. Yeah. yeah and I mean, let me just add, let me just add before, um, before we move on, Dane, yeah. um, that another great thing for people to do, familiarize yourself with the volatility of each stat that they're going to offer a prop for. For example, throughout the season, you will rarely see Sean or myself bet on passing yardage props. The reason is because passing yardage week to week is very stable. So like if you just looked at uh, different quarterbacks, the, a lot of their passing yardage totals aren't going to fall too far from their uh, average season average. Right. But with receiving yardage, on the other hand, there's going to be these huge spikes uh, and, and, and peaks and valleys and things like that. Touchdowns are the most volatile. It's either you, you're, it's binary. You're either getting zero or one or, you know, you could get two or three, but it's binary. There's nothing in, you know, yardage is a little more, you know, you could get 61 or 62. Um, but the, things like that are, are, are important to kind of understand coming into the season. And that's why earlier I said, you know, I'm looking at receiving yardage first, right. then the, the receptions, then I'll go to rushing yards, um, things like that, because you have to kind of know where you can even find an edge. You have to know which stats are going to kind of jump up and down from week to week so, to where in a good matchup, a stat could jump or in a bad one, it could fall. Whereas quarterbacks, you know, a quarterback could have a tough matchup and that could cause them to go way over their passing yardage because they're in comeback mode or something like that. So the, the touchdowns might not be there, but the yardage might. So you have to kind of understand the different stats and, and, and their volatilities. And I, I usually do this by there's different metrics you can use, but you can just take like a standard deviation of, of each uh, stat, you know, from week to week for a bunch of the top players and kind of get an idea of it. But, but the main point is that there are differences. So you can't put the same amount of predictive value into the data for, let's say, receiving yards as you do for passing yards. Receiving yards is a lot more volatile. But that, but that gives us the edge uh, when betting them. No, I'm glad you said that because I was about to push back on you uh, when it comes to passing yards, but that's more in the live prop betting oh, aspect because yeah. I actually think game flow tells a beautiful tale Absolutely. when it comes to some of the live props. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. This is the expert's guide to betting here on the Action Network. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician. We're talking with Chris Raybon and of course, Sean Kerner as well. Sean, what do you do when we get into the kind of day-to-day aspect you know i'm thinking about things like injuries if this wide out is down who else absorbs some of that target share i'm potentially thinking about weather in major league baseball i'm thinking about bullpen availability for goodness sakes what are the things you're thinking about kind of on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis when it comes to betting props yeah so i mean for nfl specifically um earlier in the week i'm just crunching numbers i'm gathering data i'm setting up my models because, you know, a lot of the, the NFL is about injury reports and weather and things like that. And we don't really get clarity by Friday or Saturday. So I'm just setting up my models, getting the data, you know, crunching numbers. And then once we have more clarity come Friday or Saturday with injury reports, weather, that's usually when I'm locking in my bets. So I'm usually locking my bets once we have more information. Um, so usually my day-to-day or week-to-week process for NFL is early week, I'm grinding. And then Friday and Saturday, I'm actually locked in bets. All right, fair enough. Oh, can I? There's a there's a little disclaimer though. What about 
week 18 of the NFL. Oh season. yeah. My favorite. Do you ever look at say, Oh, I don't know. Contract incentives for things like that, because everybody in the locker room is talking about it all week long. We got to get this guy, his 74 yards for an extra 1.5 oh. million. Do things like that actually factor in? Or are you just thinking straight statistics? No, no, we we always talk about them. That's our favorite week, Rayba and I. We always go over the contract incentives, records, yeah. uh, personal milestones. We absolutely factor that in. Um, there's definitely that human element. We're we're not just robots here, just crunching numbers. There's the human aspect and things like incentives, milestones, and records. We're absolutely factoring that in. What about what about you, Chris? You know, it's 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 part science and part art form. Right. You know, and and that's what kind of Sean is saying as well. Where do you fall on that continuum, as it were, you know, because the best players know how to kind of mix all those sources of data. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me and when I'm and this goes for any type of bet I'm making, it's not just props, but I want the. I want the data to, to show me an edge. I want my model to show me an edge, but then I gut check it and I don't right. want to have anything that kind of tells me, you know, no, like for example, there was times, you know, a couple of years ago when the Titans and Sean can speak to this too, but when the Titans were just starting to get into the, and hit their stride with, with Ryan Tannehill and they still had Arthur Smith there. Um, it seemed like every week kind of the, the model was suggesting, you know, to go kind of under with the Titans, but then Sean and I would say like, the Titans are like outperforming their expectations every week. Like, I don't want to be the guy betting against I don't want to be the guy betting against Derrick Henry. You know, so so it's just got like listen, you only have to make one bet to profit, right? You could go one and oh every time you bet and and that and you profit. So I think the, the key for me is kind of I, you know, if there's anything that's telling me to get off a bet, even if my numbers say it might be the right bet, if there's anything saying, hey, this might there's something in your numbers even that you might have not caught, um, then I'm not going to bet it because that's your advantage as a better. It's choosing like what you bet and what you don't. So uh, I think a big thing for me is just kind of, again, whittling down to what I really want to bet. You know, Sean already mentioned the Action Network, uh, the Action Labs uh, props tool, which, you know, if you're a casual better, it's literally loaded with our projections and you can see a percentage edge for each bet and you can sort it in order. You can sort it it and filter it by stat. Um, And so even I look at that because even though I'm feeding the projections into it, I'm one of the people, like it's just an easy way for me to now have a top-down view of you know what's going on and and the the final thing I'll say is that for me you know just throughout the week as I'm getting ready to kind of make these bets the the things I'm really focused on um uh, for NFL in particular but this kind of goes for every sport is is the usage right so um for NFL I'm looking at snap rates uh recent snap rates especially how will that snap rate change for a running back in you know, if we expect if he had like five, four or five games in the past with with good game scripts and now we expect it to be bad. You know, Damian Harris comes to mind in New England. You know, he might not get as many snaps in a game. They have to throw more. Uh, and then for receivers, it's routes run, which is kind of just snaps, but it's percentage of routes run per drop back. You know, there are some tight ends that they're in the game, you know, more for, for run blocking or pass blocking even or, or running backs that they're they're pass blocking a lot more than they're running a route. Um, so you have to kind of be aware uh, of things like that. And for those third and fourth receivers, especially, you know, it, there's a big difference between a third receiver running a route on 90% of the dropbacks and a third receiver running the route on like 40 or 50% of the dropbacks. So um, that's something that I'm kind of 
tinkering and projecting throughout the week that changes throughout the week because a human is changing it. A coach is deciding, you know, how many snaps a player is going to play. And that's opposed to like efficiency where, you know, the team is trying to stop a receiver from getting yards on every play. So that, you know, that's something that I'm going to let the model take more, um, you know, take care of a little bit more, but I'm really kind of honing in and projecting usage. And I think if you're looking to, to make a prop bet, you should at least be like, if you're betting on a running back, you should at least have an understanding of, okay, like, is this snap rate going to change what it was at the last few weeks? Is it going to change at all? If, if it's a receiver is, is his, you know, routes run going to change in any major way because of any injuries or, or just the matchup or, or whatever. So those are two things that I think are really important. No, absolutely. And then you also talked about the tools that, again, you can find in the Action Network app. I can't express this enough. Download the Action Network app. Subscribe to the Action Network YouTube channel, unless, of course, you are allergic to money. But we talked about it a little bit before, the idea of betting props live. Let me ask you, Sean, like, what do you do betting props live? I refer to game flow, right? So at halftime, if a team is down by two touchdowns, I'm sorry, Chris, but I am looking at that quarter quarterbacks passing yards because with the prevent defense they're gonna get six seven yards every time I may also be looking at that quarterback's live interception prop or the rushing yards on a team that is up so Sean why don't you tell me what are some of the things you do look for when betting props live in game yeah I mean that's why I love live player props because they're so dynamic so yeah it's all about game flow Um, if a team is trailing by a lot you know their pass rate's gonna go up if they're winning by a lot, their rush rates going to go up. And in turn, that could limit the plays for the other team. But um, we're actually, I'm happy to announce that we're building a model for this um, where we're hoping to kind of track these in game with live projections that factor in all this data um, so that you can have more, you know, sound numbers to go with it. But these are, these are things that I do. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say use my gut, but use my intuition during a game because like you said it's all about the game flow so if you're watching the game you know the teams very well um you can definitely find some opportunities on these yeah and i mean i would even say the same thing about something like the nba right you know mm-hmm. you see a guy who's supposed to have you know 23 points and he's got seven in the first half maybe that yeah. regression will happen in the second half back in a positive way but chris what are some of the things you think about live in game when it comes to props whether it's football or other sports uh, it's always the game, the game script, which is how the game is going to play out. And I think it's particularly um, important in football because the average team in football average is 23 uh, or 24 points, right? So if one team takes a seven nothing lead, that's that's a- accounting for like 30% of their scoring total or or 15% of the game's points just on that one play. And that and when you're looking for small edges in these props. That can have a massive effect. So, yeah, I mentioned rushing yardage props are a little tougher. Passing yardage props are a little tougher to bet pregame. But as you pointed out, Dane, mm-hmm. in-game, that's where you can attack those. Because, like I said, if you have a Patriots team, for example, that gets down, you know, early 7 nothing, um, they might not go away from Damian Harris right away. But at some point in that game – you know, they might have to go away from Damian Harris more than they would if right. they got that seven nothing lead because there's just a, lo- a larger probability that they have a lead longer into the game with, right. a, with a lead early than they do if it's it's vice versa. And that's even more um, uh, true if, for example, a team, one team starts, gets the ball, goes like three and out. And then the other team comes down and scores because yeah. now that same team is going to also get the ball to start the second half. 
So now you have a big opportunity for a huge swing based on what took place on those first two drives of the game, because not only do you know, do you know that that team's going to, you know, that has an early lead. And you also know that that team is likely to get perhaps an extra possession with the lead um, starting the second half. So things like that, when you're looking for just small edges, those are, are massive. So it's, it's all game script. Um, and just, you know, is a team going to run more or pass more than we thought in the pregame, which those pregame projections are, are based a lot more, you know, even though you're adjusting for matchup, they're still going to kind of um, adhere to season averages right. a lot more than they would um, once the game actually starts. You know, and I think that's especially clear even when there's role clarity in a backfield, right? Like if you know for sure that one guy is kind of the early down in between the tackles back, and then there's this other third down PPR kind of back, when you get into a solid game flow where you know one way or the other, you talked about snap counts before, you know, you're going to see that get heavily weighted one way or the other. Well, let me get you out of here on this, okay? Because I know you guys are all about your numbers, all about the data, but then you also have to put a little bit of gut feel. I got to tell you the truth, Chris. This is something I do every Monday night. I look at my fantasy opponents and I look at who they still have left to go. And I bet the overs on all of their <laughs> props as an emotional hedge, right? So if they have a big old game, I at least hit my props. If not, I win my fantasy matchup. How crazy is that? I like that. I mean, you know, you, you got you to gotta save yourself from the psychological turmoil of the tilt. There you go. Absolutely. But, but what is it for you? Like, what's maybe the greatest joy or the biggest rush you've had betting props? I mean, I, so I went on an 18 and one heater this summer. Um, so like for me, I don't, and, I, and the reason I would give that as the answer is because I know how improbable that is. Even if I am a really good better, like even if I am great, uh, the probability of that ever happening again in my life would be low, but like objectively speaking, if we're talking just like, the technical aspect of betting a prop, I would say betting on an over that cashes in like the first quarter or right. like the first few minutes of the game to where, because <laughs> the best feeling of a game is when you've already won your bet and like you just get to watch the rest of the game sweat. Free. And I push back on you for one second. The worst prop bet beat I have ever had, my friend, was a bet that was one already. It was in the Super Bowl and it was mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes' rushing yards, which <laughs> I think was like 30 or 31 and a half. The man was at like 47, okay? But then in the last drive to kill clock, he decides to literally purposely run backwards like seven to 10 yards, not once, but twice to kill clock at the end of the Super Bowl. So I thought I had that one one. I was celebrating myself. So Chris, while I get it, it's great to have someone go over in the first quarter. You're not always home free, right, Chris? You're not. And, and I mean, I know we're not talking about that anymore, but I would say like when you're betting quarterback rushing yard props, a big thing the to kneel keep down. in mind is the kneel down, and that yes. goes back into game script because let's say a quarterback averages like let's let's take a regular pocket passer. You might average like five rushing yards per game, right? And so the book will set it the line at five and a half. You know, is he going to get more than five, or is he going to get you know five? Yeah, or one less? scramble gets you yeah. six, but right? Winning but, the game, <laughs> right? So it's like now you have to look at and say, okay, and now you this is somewhere where you could kind of use the, the spread and and especially to kind of help you if if the team is a ten point favorite, you probably don't want to bet the over 
on a pocket passer's right. rushing yards because there's a likelihood that you're going to get the three kneel downs at the end of the game. Now, sometimes it's it's so crazy that the, the, the quarterback is out of the game by then. He's just sitting on the bench chilling and the backup comes in to take the kneel downs. But there are a lot of situations where, and I've tracked this, and you can you can find kneel down information on um, Pro Football Reference and, and Stathead, but you really don't want to be betting the over on rushing yards for those small numbers. They look so easy. They look yeah. so easy to hit. So, like, for example, by tracking kneel downs, like kneels and yardage, there's things you can learn even doing that. Like, I learned that Kyler Murray tends to go back more than the average yeah, quarterback takes, like, when he takes a kneel down. So, like, even something like that is something that you could keep in mind as you're betting. But that just shows how you could be the guy that just bets quarterback rushing props based on kneel down. So anytime that you think that a team's going to win a game, you have some pocket passer with like a four and a half line, just smash the under, like that's the advantage of props. You could just be that person that does that. You could hone in on one specific thing and and still be profitable. Fair enough, Sean. Let me get you out of here on this. Lastly, I mentioned to Chris that I, I, as an emotional hedge, I bet the overs on my fantasy opponent's props on Monday (laughs) Night Football. So either I hit the prop or I win my week. But tell me, what are some of the ups and downs, joys, or things you've lamented in your career? What was like the worst beat or the biggest high betting props? Well, the biggest high was Patrick Mahomes under his rushing prop in the Super Bowl. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris called it a bad beat, but I call it a good win in that, Fair that enough. case. But the worst beat of all time, Stucky was on it with me. We had Jimmy Graham under something like 17 and a half receiving yards. He had nothing, no catches, no yards. And the very last play of the game, it was total garbage time. Nope, like they were down by 10 plus. Uh, he caught a one-handed 21-yard a touchdown grab in the back of the end zone, uh, ruining our bets. So that that was my worst beat of all time. That is caught, Jimmy Graham. Wow. All right, so it can even happen to these guys, but it doesn't happen that often. So make sure to follow both Sean and Chris online and in the Action Network app. I am the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. This has been another edition of the Expert's Guide to Betting, this time talking props on the Action Network. Have a great one, guys.